All right, welcome to the Two Sons Podcast. Happy Sunday night, everybody. First this ever is new edition for us. recorded in the the Hoops Tonight studio. Yeah. Uh, paid for by the volume. You so <laughs> should throw them a, a little bit of a, a shout out there. Uh, Luke is just, just deep in a renovation right now. Very deep. Yes. Um, uh, but I, he's finished the floors. Yes. So progress. Yep. Floors are torn up. And then we put concrete floors down, which we poured ourselves. Yeah. Baseboards are ripped out. Uh, new paint today, so we're we're. You actually painted today? Yeah. Finished the whole house. Uh, most of the house. Are we you had, serious? Yeah, had uh, Elena was working. I was working. My brother-in-law, my brother-in-law's fiance, my dad, Elena's dad, we're all not me. Bad friend over yeah, here. Yeah, Jason's was, deep in his season. Yeah, at this I was mo- pl- at play, this playing in a men's league game. Dude, oh, other, other debaucherous behavior that was not related to helping my friend remodel yeah, his house. So. Apparently, we're best friends, but it's <laughs> the first time I've ever been in the studio. I mean, it looks nice. No. <laughs> so, uh, how many hours did you spend masking? Actually, no masking. We did not spray. We rolled. You rolled the whole damn house. Yeah, because we were all on top of each other, right? So, so because of that, uh, we wanted everyone to be able to roll and to be able to like paint with brushes around mm-hmm. trim instead sense. of instead of just shutting everything down and and uh, and spraying. So, so baseboards, baseboards. Yep, all the trim around the That's the all doors, you have left, right? And then finishing up paint. Yeah. And there's always like a lot of touch up shit that you're there's going to be so much touch up. But dude, he is. Uh, what, when is your first shift at the new job? Monday. Monday. A week from now. Literally. Okay, so he's got one more week to get all yeah. that done. Yeah. I'd say Operation Luke remodels his house in two weeks has gone pretty well. Dude, it's gone great. Yeah. Uh, considering the disasters that have hit you along the way, it's yes. been pretty good. Yes. His concrete guy was like, yeah, the, the tar paper stuff on the floor, you could just go ahead and leave that. And yeah, then as soon of- as you started painting over, it just started bubbling up. And he's like, oh. <laughs> this is a huge problem. Dude, okay, this is how bad it was. Not, not to get on a tangent. I was literally hands and knees walking or crawling around my floor, tapping it. To see where there was hollow spots where it had bubbled up and where I couldn't visually see it. And then I'd go with like uh, like a scraper and like scrape up the new layer of concrete that was there. And then we'd just go extra heavy on that layer. We did four layers of concrete. It was I was really interested when you told me that the, the layers were only like a sixteenth of an inch. Thick. Yeah, incredibly thin. But when I was walking around it, you can't tell where there could be hollow spots. So hopefully it holds up. But it, it'll be fine, man. I'll tell you though, I'm excited to get back into the wood shop and I'm excited to like get back into my wheelhouse. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I'm where, ready to where make your expertise is. Exactly. Dude, I totally get that. Exactly. I totally get that. Also, yeah. before we get started, special shout out to the wives. Yes. They granted us 20 minutes to come over here and record real quick. Um, but yeah, so yeah, none of this happens without them, obviously. Um, you guys know the drill before we get started. Subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Please, I don't have a job and, <laughs> <laughs> and we need some money because I'm also remodeling my house. Uh, follow all of our social media profiles. I always put a link underneath the video. Um, but yeah, so that's about it. We're going to be yeah. doing episode nine of Andor today. A little and late. And then you've, you've done three episodes of Tales yeah, of Yeah, I think it's been the first three. Okay, so, so that's, I got, that's Ahsoka as a baby. Ahsoka's a baby. That's Her Count, mom is a champ. Count Dooku taps into the dark side while yep. on a mission. Mm-hmm. And then... I that, saw Count Dooku full-blown chatting with uh, Palpatine. Oh, you saw the whole episode. So you mm. saw him kill Yaddle. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, we'll so maybe get, it's four. I don't know. Cool. Mm-hmm. So um, let's actually start with that. 
Okay, let's do it. I have a feeling. Spoilers. Judging, <laughs> hey, judging from hey, the spoilers. Viewership. Watch out. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Judging by our our viewership, uh, people seem to care about Andor less than others. Yes, content. I know. Um, Ahsoka episode, not really much to talk about. It's she's cool. She's a baby. Yeah, she can con- connect with animals, which is a pretty. Um, yeah. a played out Jedi trope that you see quite a right. bit. They have the ability right. to connect with animals. Um, just another example of how, you know, sm- like force users are identified when they're babies, stuff like that. Exactly. Um, well, and the elder the, lady uh, identifies her as Jedi. She's like, she is Jedi. Yeah, she is Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the last two episodes that you have not seen yet are both related to Ahsoka and they're really good, but you haven't seen those yet. So we okay. won't get into them. Um, but the Dooku stuff I think is really interesting. Right. Essentially what they took with this is it's basically like a little like cartoon movie spread out over three episodes that covers essentially two Jedi missions. Yep. And then what happens after Dooku's or after, um, Qui-Gon Jinn's death and all of it is, um, all of it is essentially, uh, uh, like the, the tale of how Dooku turns to the dark side. And what I appreciated the most about it is it's totally like a, He's a good guy. Like right. he's a good guy who had some issues with the way the Jedi Order was was operating. It's super believable. And you can see kind of his step by step process right. to reaching the conclusion that he reached. Which is the inefficiencies of the Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Right. The rules that they play by definitely makes them inefficient compared to the dark side, which is what they can do whatever they want. Right. But yeah, that that's that was like super cool because, you know, in the past we knew Count Dooku as as being a good guy at one point. He was a Jedi master. That's all we really knew. And then all of a sudden we get to see the inner workings of the missions that he would go on where he'd want the little guy to be successful or not successful, but he'd want people of the universe just to be able to live their lives. And he understood that the Republic wasn't allowing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it, the, they kind of like, especially with the Mace Windu episode dove in specifically to like the difference between what the company line is from the Jedi and your ability to actually get stuff done. Right. And in Dooku's defense, like even though there were some casualties involved, um, he got to the bottom of it. You know, so so the first the first one with Dooku, they're not really super eventful. I, first of all, I love this concept because when I was a kid and I would read expanded universe novels, we would do we did some stuff with like um, you know the Yuuzhan Vong and all that. There are deeper storylines, and those are obviously great. We've done some of that with Thrawn and with um, um, the High Republic, but specifically a lot you'd see these like novels that would be like Anakin and Obi Wan go on a mission. Yeah, Obi Wan yeah. and Qui Gon Jinn go on a mission. Right, you know, like all this and like and it was just like and there'd be a whole book that would just be this mission where they'd run into all these issues and they'd solve some problems and then that'd be the end and it'd be like you know, Anakin growing as a young Padawan or Obi-Wan growing as a young Padawan. And it was really cool because like that, like that is to me like the day-to-day operations of a Jedi. And so much of what you see in Star Wars is more just like, like the the defining moments of the entire I see. dynasty of the Jedi, right? Especially in the movies. As opposed to the day-to-day stuff. And right. like so I love diving into that. And so essentially Qui-Gon Jinn and and Dooku go on a mission right. to rescue a senator's son. Yeah. Right? And you get to see Dooku tap into the dark side. And then the second one, it's very similar. Mace Windu and uh and Dooku go on a mission to uh investigate the death of a Jedi. Right. And in the process uh, the, uh, you know, Mace Windu is just like, oh, we're just going to report back to the council. And Dooku's like, no, I want to find out. Let's who killed solve my this. Friend. Like, this was my friend. <laughs> yeah. We need to find out who killed, yeah. who killed her. It's cool. Right? 
Yeah. And and like everything he does is completely believable. All he does is. is basically just be really forthright. Right. Like, well, hey, this doesn't make any sense. There's no blast marks on your ship. Right. There's blast marks on all these trees. What did you guys do? And then he allowed them just to fall into their own trap. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Dooku, Dooku's a really interesting character, and I'm liking him more than I ever thought I ever could. Because mm. he's he's always been an important uh, an important character for the universe, but seeing his backstory is everything. And, and you and I have talked about it, but at the end of those episodes... Whose name pops up on screen? Dave. Yep. Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni, man. Dave Filoni, in my opinion, needs to be in charge of everything that is Star Wars. Everything that that gets onto a screen that's related to Star Wars, I think, should be passed through Dave Filoni. He should Filoni. be in Kathleen Kennedy's position. Yes. Unquestionably. 100%. And, yeah. and, and granted, there's so much that you and I don't know about Kathleen Kennedy's position. Yeah, and maybe right? her position is more business-oriented. I'm sure it is. You know? It's all, yeah. you know, I'm sure it's more, more numbers than anything else. he should be her else. lead advisor. He should be her lead advisor. And and, and who knows? There's, there, I'm sure there's people who know the inner workings of Star Wars way more than we do. And I'm sure it's a completely different rodeo than what we think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he has such a good grasp of, of the Star Wars universe, and he understands so well how important every single scene is that is that is put out mm-hmm. to, to viewers. Well, those missions, for instance, like he understands like this is, it might come off as boring. Like if I was like, oh, this episode's going to be Dooku and Qui-Gon Jinn going on a mission to rescue a senator's son. Like right. you could imagine the Kathleen Kennedy types and the, and the J.J. Abrams types is sitting in the conference room like, that sounds boring. Where's, yeah, where's the big explosion? Where's the 50,000 death destroyers, yeah. star destroyers with, with huge guns? Can they run into 25 Sith? Like, no, seriously, dude. It's just like, it's he has such a good understanding for, for what is Star Wars and the he has such a good understanding for what the scale of Star Wars is, yes. right? So like what's intriguing about that episode is literally a baby taming an animal and that that's like that was like incredible to me i don't need to see fifty thousand star destroyers with huge guns strapped underneath them i want to see a baby jedi like calm a saber-toothed tiger like that is so cool that is so intrinsic Mm -hmm. in star wars that is so intrinsic in in what a jedi is and and that's what he gets like he doesn't have to make some ridiculous scale in order to make star wars nerds like you and i be interested Mm -hmm. yeah by 100 percent agree so it ends in uh, Sidious meeting. Well, essentially, Dooku yeah. refuses to go to Qui Gon's funeral, in large part because he is. There is a, a scene at the beginning of that particular episode where uh, Qui Gon essentially it's it's clearly set in the middle of the Phantom Menace because right. yeah. uh, because Qui Gon is there on on the Coruscant and they're getting and, and he's telling everybody, "Hey, I found a Sith," which right it, as you can imagine would be huge news, like. The entire Jedi Temple would basically be buzzing with that information, right? And so, um, uh, essentially, what ends up happening is is Qui Gon, you know, uh, Dooku asks him about it. Dooku like a hundred percent believes him. Like he's like, oh, like this is happening. We need to take care of this. This is a huge deal. And Yaddle is there, and she's kind of like, no, no, we're we're handling it with caution. Right. This is what we're supposed to do. And you can tell Dooku immediately is like, no, this is a terrible idea. You're right. sending him out there with Obi-Wan and literally just a couple of uh, Naboo people to go, you know, solve this entire problem by themselves. This right. is insane. And so you can tell he's almost like a conscientious objector to the funeral. Right. Because he's like, he died because we failed him. Right. Like, we failed him. Yeah. By not sending 
all of our yeah. all of our power to this situation, you know? Right. Which was their greatest threat. At that point, that was the Jedi's greatest threat that they knew about. Of and course. they just and they talked about it, like, right? They're like, Yeah, it could be a big deal. Yeah, although one of my biggest pet peeves is the uh, in the Phantom Menace when they're like, always two there are, but which was destroyed, the Master or the Apprentice. It's like right. the whole point of them going down to two was that you guys didn't know about it. Like, right. Somebody screwed up there. So, right. But, you know, Lucas Lucas pitched like, it was like a, a nine-inning shutout with like four hits. This is one of those four hits. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's it's not, it, you didn't throw a perfect game, but you don't complain about Verlander throwing nine innings, shutout innings, you know? Like, I that, hear that's you. That's kind of the way I, I hear see you. it. I hear you. It was kind of cool not to you know get too far into this either though but yaddle like we've always like, like right like yoda has another alien that is of his species which is yaddle that mm-hmm. we know about and now grogu um but it was cool to get into a little bit of uh yaddle mm-hmm. lore as well yeah and because she doesn't appear in revenge of the sith yeah um, ah, that's like actually a good point in, or in attack of the clones so like and again that's yeah. Dave Filoni known as stuff, yeah, right? Like, oh, she's not there. We can jam her in here somewhere. Here's how good these cartoons are, too. Number one, they're cartoons. And number two, I turn them on, and Elena and I are, are eating dinner watching them. And she's like, okay, fine. We'll, we'll watch one. And then the next one comes on. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll watch another one. And before we know it, we're three or four episodes deep, and Elena's, like, completely intrigued. Dude, they're so good. I was thinking the same thing. I need to get Carly to watch them. I binged all six episodes, like, one day. Or I watched the first two and then I binged the last four in one day. Um, and I, I, at first I was like, oh my gosh, these episodes are so short. No, they're exactly what they need to they're be. They're exactly what they need to be yeah. because essentially like it's it's episode cycles too. Like the uh, the Dooku episodes, it's kind of like a three-part story. It's it's kind of right. It almost uh, like takes on the vibe of like a play where it's like this is act one. Yeah. This is act two. This is the the finale act. Yeah. You know, like that kind of thing. So when uh, Yaddle obviously follows Dooku to go visit Sidious, and when Dooku interacts with Sidious, it kind of had this vibe, and I, I wonder if you picked up on this, and it reminded me of when, um, it reminded me of Anakin's conversations with. Uh, Sidious in the in the council or in the the chancellor's chambers, right? Like the where, hallway leading into it. Yeah, where like Sidious really comes down to the level of his apprentices yeah. when he's trying to sway them. Yeah, and he almost talks like, "Hey, dude, like our backs are against the wall here. Like if this works out, you know, everything's yeah. gonna be great. Like you just got to do your job. I'll do my job. Like everything's gonna be. It's not like you can tell he's so deeply manipulative that like, right. Like you know, like he. I think he says something to Duke like you know, we still have a chance. Like if if you know, like he's very like. He creates like a like a time like um he puts like a time bomb on it like we need to do this thing, like right now yeah he you could tell he can he has convinced Dooku that aligning with the Sith literally will help him accomplish his goals Dooku's right. goals of like a better galaxy right essentially. and that's that's the pitch that is the pitch is is Palpatine is promising a better galaxy he promises a better galaxy in his own sense to to Anakin when he gets him to sway right. Which is your wife gets to live, mm-hmm. right? That's a better galaxy for Anakin. And Anakin's obviously frustrated in the Republic and how inefficient they are, yeah. which we were just talking about. And yeah, and that, and that's the whole dynamic is like you could tell, and it, it's it comes back to the the subterfuge that is literally what defines the Sith after Darth Bane is like everything they do is like uh, like Pal- Palpatine sees a disgruntled Jedi. Yeah, one that has a little bit of a tendency to tap into the dark side of the force. <laughs> just like, just a casual choke. Yeah, like, just a little casual. Yeah, just, just, just a casual a, force. A center or whatever, you know? <laughs> and essentially, like the idea there is, is like he kind of like picks at their weakness. Like, oh, he's frustrated with this. Okay, I'm going to kind of hammer this point home or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Yaddle though, like, 
And, uh, uh, you know, there's some, we, we're going to talk about this here in just a second when we talk about Andor, but, um, you know, there's kind of like this idea of everything hanging by a thread in the Star Wars universe. And you get that a lot from everything about the rebellion through to the finish. Like everything hangs right. on a thread. Like the margins of victory are almost are zero. This yeah. tiny, yeah. Even something as silly as like, oh, what if Mon Mothma failed to paper over a $400,000 charge? Right. She would have been caught, you know, or right. like, Oh, this is how close they. Th- this is how close Dooku came to accidentally revealing Sidious mm-hmm. because Yaddle tracked him to this area of of yep. Coruscant that's industrial yeah. and like and like oh Yaddle if she would have just ran away I know Elena brought that them, up yeah she's like why doesn't she just go yeah but there's a lot there's a lot of stuff it's no different than like in Lord of the Rings when like Isildur's got the ring and he's holding it over the fire and and uh, uh, Elrond is like cast it into the fire and he's like no and he holds it it's like this yeah. close to yeah. literally to just ending, ending everything yeah by the way we have a new puppy on the set this is that Dallas. Is. He's a good boy. This is my puppy. So Lola is uh, is Luke and Elena's puppy. This is one of my Australian shepherds. I have a female as well, but we said guys only for this uh, for this podcast. For this pod, yeah. He's a very sweet boy. Yep. Um, but yeah. So uh, anyway, like uh, any other thoughts on the Yaddle? No, the I'm loving it. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, see the last couple episodes because I know that there's some big stuff that happens just because you know scrolling through social media, I've I've seen you know. Uh, I've seen some spoilers at the very least, but I'm gonna act, I'm gonna act like I don't know about them just so I can. You're gonna really appreciate it. You're gonna yeah. really appreciate it. Adds weight to the end of Clone Wars. So, and I here's thought. why I haven't watched Andor until tonight, and here's why I haven't watched the last two episodes is because literally I don't have a TV that's working <laughs> that has Disney Plus attached. His life to it. is in shambles. <laughs> it's just because of the remodel. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have watched it by now. So there are three things that I want to hit from Andor in the prison. Or excuse me, the latest episode of Andor. So there's the serial storyline, the S- Andor, uh, Cassian in the prison storyline, and then there's the Mon Mothma storyline. And we got to start with Andor. So <laughs> what I thought was really cool is we know we're trending towards a prison break episode. Right. That's coming. And it was, I thought it was going to be this week. And mm. one of the things that I appreciated, and this really is what kind of defines Andor as a series, is like, we are going to painstakingly explain the stakes to you. And essentially, like, it would have been so easy just to have a prison break episode this week. But instead, now, when it comes next week, there's this feeling like if they don't escape, they will die. They're going to be stuck there forever. Or die. Yeah. And so, like, literally, the doctor at one point says, like, within two weeks, you'll be wishing you were this guy. Right. And so, essentially, what's happening here is <laughs> in, in that moment, and like, uh, oh, we literally just watched the episode with our wives not even uh, 20 minutes ago, and I had seen that episode once before, and that moment at the end where Andy Serkis, who, by the way, was the guy who played Snoke, for those of you guys who don't know, uh, shout out Ryan, the producer fun fact. of uh, Hoops Tonight, was like telling me about that um, the day of, but so Andy Serkis also did Snoke. And uh, that moment where earlier in the episode, Cassian's asking him how many guards are on each level, yeah. and he just refuses to even consider speaking out about because he's so scared, because he's so terrified. And then he just just is like twelve, never more than twelve, because like he understands now, like that, like oh, we have to escape. Well, not only that, he's been a human being in there, and he's mm-hmm. been he's he's noticed that mm-hmm. that those are thoughts that all of those people have thought about. Mm-hmm. How many guards are there? What would I have to do to get out of here? 
Well, you can tell, like, like Cassian clearly already has a little clique of guys who are totally on board with right. what he wants to do. Right. But Andy Circus is very much like, dude, I got 217 shifts left. Yeah. Like, I don't want miss me with this escape stuff. Like, I'm just trying to get out of here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, the old-fashioned way. Right. Um, but essentially, it seems to me, from what I can gather, and maybe you interpreted it differently, but it seems to me that the gist of it is um, they're like, oh, your shifts are done. Let's pull you out. And right. then they're just putting you in another bay. And then and then that's one thing I didn't really get. So if you speak up and say, Yeah, I, I was I was discharged, but I'm right back here, is that the problem that happened on level two? Because they're, I, act, they're yeah, acting they like something word got out on the floor. Yeah. And clearly they were all pissed off about it. Yeah. And then everyone got killed. They just killed everyone. Which is insane. I know. But like and this is the first thing that I thought and I'm curious to hear, hear your opinion. We already know that the Empire was willing to enslave the entire race of Wookiees to build things, <laughs> that many is a good things, point. including, if I'm not mistaken, from our readings of Thrawn, I'm pretty sure they implied that the Wookiee slaves were helping build the Death Star. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% so, they were. Because the uh, Thrawn came across that, that shuttle that had like the modified bunks. Yes, exactly. That were specifically for Wookiees that were the tra- on the trajectory towards what Toward, he yeah, thought was Star- the... Stardust, yeah. Yeah. And so, essentially, like, the idea that, pri- like, this is a prison work camp, but, like, they they have no moral boundary Dude. to stop themselves from doing something like essentially enslaving them. Right. Every week I talk about Nazis, and I'm trying <laughs> not to, because, like, I don't want people to, like, think that this is a show about, like, I don't know, Nazis. Lots of... Yeah. But lots- holy crap, dude. The, the, I literally think that the producers of the show are like, hey how many notes can we take from like Nazi prison camps and put it into this show? Mm-hmm. Like you see like the empire logo just like out and about at Coruscant, which was like super reminiscent of like banners that you'd see during that era. And then um, like the creepy doctor, Dr. Gosh, Gosh, or what was his yeah, name? Gorsh. Gorsh. Something like dude. that. Well, dude, it's like, it, there's a certain fear that comes from. I mean, this whole Nazi thing has been completely on the the um, uh, at the public forefront lately with all this Kyrie Irving stuff. And, oh yeah, and like it, it's mess. so. I was literally thinking about this the other day. Like, how insane is it that a country in Europe, like a developed country, um, became so propagandized by yeah. essentially a tyrant? That he forced his citizens to to read books and watch things when they were young that taught them to hate Jews. And in the process, murdered over six million people. Dude, that's insane. And not only that, that was not that long ago. That was not that long ago. <laughs> and what, what's crazy like, about what it is like when, I, like when I was thinking about that the other day, I'm like, I, I was like, what, what it must have been like to be in the world at that time and to know that was happening. Terrible. Like, there were probably a lot of Americans who were like, hell yeah, I'll go to war for that. Yeah. You know, like right. that kind of thing. And like, right. And, and essentially like what, what I think is cool about this specific line that they're drawing here in Star Wars is they're tapping into that kind of fear. Yes. Like essentially explaining like, like essentially like they're trying, they're trying to show that this particular imperial society was oppressive in a way that went beyond just, oh, there was a Sith Lord or, oh, we have a bunch of Star Destroyers and we'll kill you if you do stuff. It was like intellectual, like we are going to snuff out any hope that you have 
of of surviving this mess. Right. You know what I mean? And the way that they do it is absolutely bizarre. It is out of a it is out of a sci-fi horror film mm-hmm. where it's just like, yeah, you can have as much food as you want. We want you healthy so you can work harder for us. It's like, yeah, no, you're not going to live in filth. You're going to be super clean. You know, you're going to have a bunk to sleep in every single night. The floors are going to be pristine, which can also kill you, by the way. Yeah. It's just like, it's absolutely bizarre how, like, manicured that prison is. It's like, it's weird to think of a prison that manicured and that clean, right? Mm-hmm. That white. It's very right? it's imperial like, it's like austerity. That it is. Yeah. But yet there's just so much fear and that's it's so it's 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 so clean cut right it's it's almost surgical yes right surgical oppression and and that's exactly what that creepy doctor is too it's like it's almost surgical how he can put on a headset onto a human being and drive them insane from the screams of dying uh, alien children just to get information from you like it's it's just it's on a whole nother level yeah and 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 it's it's, just it's one of those things too. Like, can you imagine if, uh, you know, sometime in our lifetime, a president got elected that somehow managed to, you know, take ultimate power and in the process announced a law. And in the law, he was like, Hey, we need to, uh, instill more law and order. So everyone that's in prison right now, your sentence is doubled. Oh, by the way, that like public, uh, dis, uh, disorder charge that used to give you a six month sentence. Right. It's now a six year sentence. Like, can you imagine like what that would do to a society? Like, right. it, it really is like, and that's what I appreciate about this show is it it adds weight to the existing Star Wars storyline yeah. yep. by adding fear, adding detail, adding a- adding essentially all of these like elements of evil. Yeah, that make it seem like it's worth it. It know? adds a ton of weight. So, and and that's one. That's um, it's funny you bring that up. So one of Dave Filoni's power moves is he can add weight into his episodes. So just do you remember ninety nine, the clone ninety nine? He he was yeah kinda, yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he he had like all of his like he was kind of like um, malformed, you know, and and you ended up loving him because of it. Like he had this awesome attitude. He was like super helpful. Like you know, some of the other clones liked him. Some of the other clones were like would bully him and stuff. Like that's the equivalent of the guy who had the stroke. Oh right? yeah. So like yeah. you end up like feeling for him like dude you're so close to getting out and then all of a sudden he has a stroke and gets literally euthanized in a hallway in this prison. It's like this 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 show is crazy. For I I I like how Star Wars is making this like way more gritty than it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really cool to see. I've enjoyed it too. Yeah. Um so Mon Mothma um she we learned that her cousin is Vel yeah. Which it was interesting on a bunch of levels. I did think it was interesting that Mon Mothma at one point says like, you need to lay low for a while. Right. Just like, be the rich girl. Yeah. Just for, just do that for a little while to right. like, kind of like get people off your tracks. And then the husband is clearly like trying to turn the daughter against the mom. Um, you know, talking about uh, the, her like ex-boyfriend, even though literally it was like her elementary school friend. Um, and then it looks like essentially that this money that was loaned to her by this banker from Chandrilla needs to be accounted for uh, because the ISB will eventually search her books. Right. And we don't have to dive too far into it because I think this is going to be a storyline in the next episode. But apparently she's going to have to go into business with a skeevy person. And what I, what I appreciate about this is like, because we're about to learn this in general with, um, well, we, I say we're about to learn. We already learned this with Rogue One with the, everything she's dealing with right now with uh, uh, Saw Gerrera and stuff. But essentially, like, 
Mon Mothma clearly went into this thinking that she could do this while keeping her hands clean. And oh, essentially what this I see. this storyline represents to me is just the harsh reality of the fact that waging war against the Imperial machine would require her to get her hands dirty a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Her and and it's so cool to see her character develop because she's always been she's and, and we talked about this last week, so I'm not gonna jump into it too far, but it's it's really cool to see essentially one of the queens of the rebellion, right? So you, you think of two people when you think of queens in Star Wars, and it's Leia and it's her. Yep. Uh, she becomes the chancellor of the New Republic after the, yeah. the Galactic Civil War. And it's just yeah. so cool to see her her um, kind of put herself into this situation. And when we've seen her in the past, she's always been so stoic. She's always been at like some battle table, giving orders, like listening to her advisors. But it was really interesting to see her have true fear of oh crap, what did I just get myself yep. into? And it, that, that, seeing that side of Mon Mothma, Mon Mothma, where she wasn't just the stoic queen that we know her as, and seeing her as a human being, where mm-hmm. she's thinking to herself, "I just bought in one hundred percent." Well, what did she say to Vel? She goes like, "She's like, I, I'm starting to think we might be in over our heads." Yeah, and she says something like about feeling it closing in around her. Right. You know, but that's kind of what I'm talking about, like hanging by a thread. Right. You know, because she is the one who you know, ordered Rogue Squadron to get the plans for the Death Star from, uh, with the help of the Bothans and sitting there saying like that the Empire has made a critical error and the time for our attack has come. Like she, she's so in- integral to everything that they accomplish. Right. You know, and like, and we're literally watching like her first steps in that direction, which is, it's, it's so cool. I've, right. I've enjoyed this very much. Yeah. And, and, and so what's cool about it is from what I understand too, and I should know this, but from what I understand, the same producers uh, are making Andor as they did Rogue One. And obviously Rogue One was an extremely well put together f- film that understood uh, its boundaries and understood the weight that it had in relation to all the other Star Wars movies. And it's obvious that they're going about Andor in this way too, yep. which is really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the last part of this episode was Cyril and his mom. They had a conversation. Cyril talks about how he's promoted. I was joking with uh, um, you and our wives on the couch earlier. I was like, one of my favorite parts of the show has been Cyril's weird conversations with his mom because he's so like dead and he's quick and witty and like he's yeah. so like deadpan and like uh, in his retorts to her and like she just kind of like whenever he gives her the little bit of like uh, uh, deadpan crap, like she just kind of plays it off by being mom still. Like right, they, right. They neither of them are, is like willing to give an inch to the other. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? Which is which is so <laughs> funny. But so then he stalks our uh, what's her name? Kedra, Deidre, Deidre. He stalks Deidre at the ISB headquarters, and that goes south <laughs> for him quickly. You know what's he is so weird. But the, <laughs> like, I, they're going through this storyline with intent. So, like, eventually, I mean, this is my theory. Eventually, he's got to have the one. He's got to be the one who makes the breakthrough. Mm. I don't think they'd be developing Deidre's trust at yeah. some point. And and I don't think they they wouldn't be developing him this much if they were just going to have him be a creep, mm-hmm. right? So I, I agree. I agree with you. Um, uh, but yeah, so like the, the, she basically says at one point she drops a, a big thread on him. She's like, if I even like see you again, yeah. you will be in a cage on the outer rim. <laughs> like, and he's and like, she has like a moment where she gets to her office too and she takes off her hat. You can tell she's just like, what is oh going on? Who this is this dude, guy? Yeah. yeah. And he's so weird. And he gives me the creeps. He, he totally gives me the creeps. I'm also loving the, uh, the ISB conference room scenes with the dude who, so that dude plays, um, 
Kyburn, uh, who's the basically the hand of the queen to Cersei in, in Game of Thrones. And he just plays like this kind of like he's clearly evil, but he's also like not inherently unlikable, you know? Yeah. And he has that same kind of vibe in Game of Thrones. And I, I've enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm hoping we'll see a little bit more Wolfie Lauren too at some point. So I'm glad you brought him up. So in the past, we've talked about how um, the portrayal of certain areas of Star Wars kind of misses the mark. Um, so for example, like in, in the books, we know we know Thrawn as to be essentially a good guy like right he he's 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 part of the empire but he's a he's he's a good guy in my in my book but then in rebels the tv show he's really not like it is obvious that he's he's bad right of course dude that's the same with uh wolf Yularen, right like in in all of in all edge, of clone wars he, the, he did he but he was super likable like all the all the missions that he and uh anakin skywalker had together like you were rooting for wolf wolf you right and then all of a sudden he like shows up and he's in the isb room and, he, and he's all of a sudden just this kind of hard nose he's kind of cutthroat and i i get it but he i i look at it as him kind of doing his job and yeah. i kind of feel the same. like i am really curious in the long run how Thrawn plays out in live action and how Wolfie Lauren plays out in live action. Cause I, I do think that they'll touch into their likability a little bit. More. I hope so. I really hope they hit on that. Um, what's interesting about the, the ISB agents too, is how many of them are like our age. Oh, they're all there. Isn't young. that super weird? Like what do you, what do you think their angle is? Like they're like, they're like young overachievers trying to make themselves. Oh, I think it's, the, I think the, it's simple. And you run into this a little bit with the first order too. Um, uh, which is a whole other thing with that stupid, uh, um, what was it called? Aftermath, the aftermath trilogy oh, yeah. that I read, uh, which was basically tried to explain the, the the origins of the first order. But basically, I my take on it is all the old people, with the exception of the established Republic employees, were like kind of at their wits' end and kind of sick of the Empire. Yeah. But if you were like a seventeen, eighteen year old in the yeah. galaxy, and it was like, wait, I could get a good job. Right. And I could get all this money and I could be on spaceships and I could be going True. around the galaxy. And it's like, and all I have to do is like Work. serve the emperor. Kick ass like, suits. Yeah. Like and cool hats. Like, yeah, dude. <laughs> hey, if you interrogate Play dead children this, screaming noises to I know. people? Hell if, yeah, If dude. you interrogate this person and ruin their lives, we will give you 15,000 space bones. <laughs> <laughs> we will give you a bonus of 15,000 space bones that you can take home to your little apartment on Coruscant. It's so funny. I know it's, it's, it's really interesting that like all of them are like, like, yeah, like mid twenties to mid thirties. It looks like it was, it was specifically a lot of them mentioned in the aftermath trilogy that when they went out into the unknown regions to rebuild, they took children and it was because it was very important to them to be able to basically indoctrinate them. And essentially, I've kind of look at it as like Jeez. kind of like a grown up version of that. Like, it's like they, they, I think they just, I think that the life of the empire was most appealing to a young adult who was making a career choice in a scary world where the empire was in control. Like true. It was kind of like a beat him or join him kind yep, of thing. You can't you know? beat him, join him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You have anything else from this episode? No, man. That was it. All right, guys. That is all we have. As always, I sincerely appreciate your guys' support. Uh, we will be back sooner. I would hope for this yeah. next one. Um, everything's just been crazy with Luke with the remodel, but with his new job, he's working uh, three days a week. So we're going to have lots of uh, lots of time to do this on right. shorter notice with this kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so thank you guys as always, and we'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.